What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 193 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to recap our results from week 17 in the NFL on DraftKings, reflect on some of the key decision points from the slate, and of course, close out the show by taking a look at the most interesting stats and storylines from the week. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. You can also find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream on Saturdays. Finally, our Discord channel is open and available. The link to join that is free and in the description to the podcast. Joey, how you doing, buddy? How was week 17 for you? Uh, wasn't it a great week? Got busted on DraftKings per usual and mm-hmm. lost in both of my fantasy championships. So not th- I don't that's not possible. You had Jamar Chase in one. Yeah, yeah, you would think. So you won? No. Oh. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Explain. <laughs> well, when you play a dude who hits the nuts with every single one of his players, you're not going to win. Even if you have a 55-point game, even if you have the highest-scoring fantasy player of the entire season in your lineup, you're not going to win. Uh, and then, you know, you have Ronald Jones who gets hurt. Cooper Cup only puts up 21 points. That kind of feels like a low ball from him after he's been consistently putting up 30-plus. And, yeah, it was just a, a tough scene. And Starting the new year off as I uh, ended last year as a stone cold loser. So <laughs> nice to know that not much has changed in the new year. Yeah, I mean, as far as DraftKings goes, just absolutely brutal. Yesterday got shit on in cash, got shit on in tournaments, and, and you know it was just a brutal scene. You know, the cash line in the massive $25 single entry double up was 135.16. I was about 31 points short of that. And the main reason, and I can't believe I'm saying this, is because I faded a monster game out of Braxton Berrios. Yeah, we lost on DraftKings yesterday because we didn't play uh, 50% owned Braxton Berrios. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you needed the Jets wide receiver four to win. Imagine. You needed Braxton Berrios to win everything, cash and GBPs, this past week. Uh, Scores a two-yard rushing touchdown on, like, a reverse trick play. Scores, like, a five-yard receiving touchdown. And it was just Max Payne. I... I I thought he was okay for cash. Like, you could probably lock in 10 points by playing Barrios, but the ceiling, in my opinion, just wasn't there, even in, you know, a matchup against this pass funnel defense in the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, And then ultimately, it's just like he's on the Jets, and every time I play a Jets player, it just does not work out with anything. So I'm like, okay, I think he's a pretty decent fade. The balance build looked to be really good in terms of lineup construction. Yeah. You know, I was considering going team Jamman with JT and Cup and, and figure and figuring it out from there, but ultimately uh chose the wrong side of the 2v2 in terms of the lineup construction and got, you know, absolutely punished for it. So Right. So the 2v2 was ultimately, you know, whether or not you were going to pay up from one of the mid-range running backs, whether it was Sony 
Rojo, Chase, or Demont, and then pay down at your wide receiver three spot. A, B, and Cup were pretty much locks as far as I'm concerned. So you were probably in that range of, you know, Pittman or DJ Moore or somebody like that. I ended up going with Moore. But if you paid down to Berrios and up to JT, that was the most popular construction on DraftKings. And we kind of knew that going in, that that was going to be the train. And, you know, I was comfortable if JT beat me because, you know, that's well within JT's range. But I was just, you know, looking at the running back volume that you could secure from 6,500 and under and felt really comfortable about it. It only gets tilting when it isn't JT that buries you. And in fact, it is the punt Braxton Berrios play that absolutely buries you. And he hits a ceiling that he probably will never hit again for the rest of his career. Yeah, just ran into, you know, a top one percentile outcome with Braxton Berrios. And I really didn't play much cash on this slate. I was more focused on GPPs and I lost pretty much every single tournament I entered, uh, which is unfortunate. But even in tournaments, Braxton Berrios was needed because you needed that salary savings and you needed that 26 point game from him to to win a GPP paying down. Allowed you to pay up to like a Jamar Chase or Joe Burrow, who both were pretty expensive, and you know, maybe a Gronk if you paid up to him at 6,200. So, Braxton Berrios was the key to the slate. God, never thought I would say that in my entire life. And yeah, if you played him, you won. If you didn't play him, you lost. And we didn't play him like Stone Cold Fish. Yep. No Barrios, no cash. Doesn't quite have the same ring to it, but that's that's where we're at in week 17. The only other decision point I think that was really important on this slate was whether or not you plugged Chase Edmonds into your lineup. We didn't have the James Conner news until after lock. I mean... I don't know. I thought Edmonds was a good play, but I didn't feel like you needed to embrace the risk because DeMont, Rojo, and Sony were all very solid plays in their own right. I don't know. How, how do you feel about it? I mean, I played Chase Edmonds before I knew about the Connor news. Just from like an IKB stance, there was a lot of pessimism around James Connor starting in this spot or being active, I should say. And Chase Edmonds, I mean, we saw it last week that he would be really the only running back involved in the Cardinals offense without James Conner. And then obviously he has elite pass catching ability. And then the game environment was the best on the slate before lock. So I personally ran Ronald Jones, David Montgomery, and Chase Edmonds. So I ended up fading Sony Michelle. Probably should have fade Ronald Jones, but you know, that's kind of like hindsight. He got hurt, whatever. So yeah, I just pivoted down from Michelle to Chase Edmonds. It was he was a hundred dollars cheaper. He was projecting better than Sony Michelle. So I was comfortable running that even before I had the James Conner news and you know it didn't work out. I mean he scored like five less points than Sony. It wouldn't have mattered in my lineup. Still would have got crushed, but made the made the wrong uh fade with Sony when it should have been uh Ronald Jones. Yeah, and like I said, I just didn't really feel the need to go there because I felt confident in the three plays of David Montgomery, Sony, and Rojo. But, I mean, Edmonds was in that same tier. I don't think that any combo of the three was wrong as long as you weren't outside of that grouping. Last thing that I will bring up in terms of our results is the drafters tournament that I am currently sitting in first place of by the razor-thin margin of 0.5. One, two points, Joey. Can you even, like, God, like, so tight, dude. I am going to be sweating my ass off tonight. I should have this in the bag. We're fading 15 points out of Austin Hooper for 10K. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I doubt Hubert gets that. He he hasn't gotten it all year. He only has two games this season with over ten points. Neither of them for fifteen plus. Yeah, so I think you're. I think you should be good. You're you're probably chilling. I low key ran unbelievably pure. But that's what you need to win a basketball tournament. Like you you have to get lucky, right? I mean, we talk about luck and whether or not it's real. But to be in this position, you know, seventeen weeks later. You have to have a lot of things go your way. And I don't know if you want to, you know, inform the listeners on on how much you had to run good to be in this spot. I, I feel like it was a crazy amount that just happened to go in your favor, especially over the last two weeks. But fuck it. As long as you're in first, that's all that matters. I mean, you still drafted the players. You still put yourself in that position to win. And you're winning by one yard on the total season. 17 weeks. It's going to come down to one yard. One yard. Amazing, amazing. And shout out to Do Me Favors, uh, the guy who is in second place, sweating along with me. We were, you know, DMing each other back and forth yesterday. Real cool dude. Um, Yeah, as far as the team and everything that broke right over the last two weeks, I'll wait until the results are finalized to do that. Maybe break it down on a YouTube video, go over the team and just sort of the crazy run out that happened. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. Tomorrow, I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch. You feel me? <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, God forbid Austin Hooper has his best game of the season, and then you're just crying yourself to sleep after Monday Night Football tonight because that would be a tough scene. Yeah, I mean, that happens, and this will probably be the last podcast you ever hear me on. <laughs> hey, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you, you locked up a top-two finish, which is a, a W in its own. It's in its own Definitely. Self, so. It is, but I need to win, bro. If, you know, I don't even care about the money. I just need the win. I need the title. I need the clout. Best ball champion. Facts, facts. All right, listen, let's let's move on to stats and storylines. Yesterday, one of the most inexplicable things I've ever seen happened uh, during an NFL game in the Bucks jets game. At one point, everything seemed to be going okay. You know, the Bucks were down a little bit, but on the sideline, Antonio Brown had what you could classify as a meltdown, took his equipment off, took his shirt off, was standing there shirtless in the stadium, threw his clothes, his gloves into the stands to the fans, did some jumping jacks in the end zone mid game. This is happening during the game, not like halftime or anything is just happening during the game, does some jumping jacks in the end zone, throws up the deuces and dips out. <laughs> What's What's the issue? I've never seen anything like it. And I mean, honestly, shout out to Antonio Brown. The entertainment value was just peak. Absolutely peak. I I, so, I support moves <laughs> like this. You know, it's way more entertaining than, you know, whatever else would have happened in that game. Now, are you buying the story or reports that are saying that AB told BA that he wasn't healthy enough to play when Arians told him to go back in the game. And he was like, nah, I can't. Like, my ankle doesn't feel right, blah, blah. And they told him to get out. Like, just go. Like, you're done. After he told them that he won't go in because he wasn't healthy enough. Do you buy that? I mean, that sounds like easily the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, it's like basically the the story is is they pretty much released him on the sideline like Bruce Arians told him to like go you're done so he just took off his shit and dipped that just doesn't seem realistic to me I don't know do you buy that See, I can't buy that at all like like obviously Antonio Brown is a head case and you know it's been like that since he's came out of college 
Like somebody posted a list of all of the things or controversies, I should say, that he's been involved in ever since his time at Central Michigan. And, you know, there's always been character concerns and he hasn't been like a stand up guy, to be honest. Like he's just very childish or whatever. You know, maybe he has a mental illness, which obviously he would he would need to get some help or, or whatnot. But, you know, there there were some problems with Bruce Arians and A.B., before he joined Tampa Bay because Bruce Arians uh, was the offensive coordinator for the Steelers. So there's been some known tension between the two. And Bruce Arians just seems like he's kind of an asshole coach. You know, like that's kind of the vibe that he gives off. Like, I'm not saying he he told AB to get out or whatever, but I could see him definitely being like, you know, like you're, you're done. Like you, you don't want to play for us. Like, okay, like you're done. Get on the bench. It's probably the more realistic outcome is he probably benched AB because AB didn't want to go in. And then AB was like, all right, fuck this. I'm out and just dipped. Yeah, but you can't bench someone who doesn't want to play. You know, so I, I don't get it. I don't get what the, the concern would be. And also, like, I just can't see any NFL coach wanting to bring drama like that. Like, you know, that's going to be a huge story if you're cutting a player on the sideline, telling them to get out, especially Bruce Arians, who you just mentioned, has all this history with A.B. I mean, he's got to know that A.B. is not going to handle that in a <laughs> calm and collected way. There's absolutely no shot. Everything about yeah. this just seems like cap to me. I, I don't think that we know the truth at and this point. We never will. What was said between who? And you're right. We probably never will. Yep. All we could do is speculate. And yeah, I mean, you're totally right. I was. He didn't bench him. You, you're right about that. Um, because if he didn't want to go in, you can't get benched. Just a just a funny situation. Gave us a good laugh yesterday, to say the least. And. <laughs> I mean, I I would like to know just because I think it would be funny about what really happened. And I think the most likely case is AB just had, you know, like a mental breakdown. Just was like, all right, fuck it. I'm done. Fuck you, Bruce Arians. And I'm out. And to be honest, probably could have seen this coming. We're probably never going to see Antonio Brown on a football field again after yesterday. Yeah, I doubt it. Let's, uh, before we move on to our next story, let's listen into the new track that Antonio Brown just posted. Maybe we'll get some answers here. I'm from the pit, not the palace. I'm kind of stylish. Lifestyle lavish. Jump in the coupe with no mileage. Run it. Style it. I'm from the pit, not the palace. I gotta run it. Style it. Hit on the gas, make it growl it. Jump in the coupe with no mileage. Came from the struggle, I had to hustle. Get off the muscle, this is no tussle. I don't gotta touch you, I get the beat, I make it bubble. This is tough, fresh out of payment. They bring the pain, I bring the payment. Throw in the hate, this in the rain. Mm. I'm from the pit, not the palace. I'm kinda stylish. Lifestyle lavish, jump in the coupe with no mileage. That shit was hot ass. <laughs> that was terrible. You are feeling that? Damn. How does it compare to the, the classic Cole Beasley record heavy ones for you? <laughs> classic. <laughs> no shot. I, I was a little disappointed because that he released that right sort of like after this whole ordeal. And like I thought that it was going to be like a Bruce Arians diss track. I was really hyped. But no, it's just some standard, you know, flexing type shit he's from the um, pit not the palace yeah and do you get that that's like a double entendre because yeah. he used to play on the pit Pittsburgh yeah, steelers Th- thanks ben 
You're welcome. Antonio Brown wasn't the only wide receiver making headlines yesterday. This one actually for the on-field performance where Jamar Chase essentially sealed up Offensive Rookie of the Year with what was a team record-setting performance, a stunning performance on the field. This man caught 11 out of 12 targets for 266 yards and three touchdowns nearly 60 points on DraftKings, and Jamar Chase has really established himself as one of the elite wide receivers in the league, Stone Cold Alpha, already having the best wide receiver season of any rookie in history. Yeah, I mean, dude's just a total baller. Like, really, really nothing needs to be said about Jamar Chase, and yeah, he is the favorite now to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, so maybe he was off a little on that a couple weeks ago. Obviously, having a 200-plus yard and three-touchdown game at the end of the season definitely helps. Just thought they would give it to a quarterback in Mac Jones, but Jamar Chase uh, deserves it, and rightfully so. He's just very electric, and he's going to be a stone alpha for, for years to come. And the Bengals, when they're passing the ball, look to just be one of the best offenses in the NFL when they just let Joe Burrow go out there and, and sling it. And, and honestly, they should have been doing that this whole season. But nonetheless, they, they still won the AFC North and, you know, they're going to the playoffs. So And Jamar Chase is 21 years old. Yeah, I don't... 21. I mean, he he's the 101 in Dynasty, right? I mean, easily, I think. Well, he's um, the 101 receiver. I don't, you know, we don't play Dynasty right. much, so I don't know how the ADP would shake out. I'm assuming some running backs would go above Chase. But I was looking, actually, at some 2022 best ball drafts that uh, some people were doing on YouTube. And Jamar Chase was going in the second round. So that's for kind of like a 2022 best ball preview. But yeah, second round Jamar Chase. And obviously, we'll get into best ball in you know a couple months or a month or two or whatever, whenever we decide to start those streams back up again. But the, the ADP is, is going to be nuts. It's going to be drastically different from 2021. And I, I think there might be some clear-cut overreactions. I mean, I think Jamar Chase should be a first-round pick. No. Absolutely not. You can't, you know, have He's, recency he should, bias he should be off the, he one He should be game. the wide receiver to behind Cooper Cup. Shut your mouth. You can't have recency bias off one game. This is still a guy that put up like seven game, seven games with 15 or less PPR points this season. Like obviously the upside and the ceiling is incredibly high with Jamar Chase, but the floor is also low because you still have T. Higgins. You still have Tyler Boyd. You still have Joe Mixon and you know, like I said, the, the Bengals aren't going to be a team that comes out and throws the ball 50 times a game like the Chiefs. I mean, we've just seen it over the entire course of the season. That was kind of my whole point is maybe they should trend towards that. I don't think they will. And there's a lot of competition for targets and touches in that offense. So the ceiling is, like I said, extremely high and he'd be a great best ball pick. But the, the floor is also, I think, lower than what some people might think. So I, I would still take like four or five receivers above Jamar Chase in best ball. I, I don't think outside of Cup and Adams, there's a strong case for anybody. I think that Chase is right in that same tier of Tyreek and JJ. I mean, you're um, just wrong. So we'll but, see how that goes in 2020. And I was the biggest Jamar Chase stand, and I'm telling you that that's wrong. We'll see. I think you're just salty because it wasn't enough to win your turn, uh, your championship <laughs> round. 
By the way, I hope you guys bet that Burrow plus 450 to win comeback player of the year that we talked about on last week's episode. That's come all the way down to 175 after Joe Burrow has the second highest yardage total in a two-game stretch uh, ever in NFL history. And whether or not he wins it, I mean, you were getting a lot of EV by betting it at plus 450 when it's all the way down to plus 175 at this point. Um, Shit, it's at plus so, yeah. 110 on DK Sportsbook right now at 130. Oh, wow. I I, I was citing uh, an Adam Levitan tweet from this morning. He must have uh, moved the line when all yeah. of the, the people plus, went there. Plus 110 for Joey Stacks and minus 140 for uh, Dakota Prescott. Wow. So... I guess it was a, a pretty great bet, which, you know, I was wrong about. In terms of those odds, now it's not even worth it, I don't think. Uh, especially no, I, last week. Yeah, not worth it anymore. You could you could have, like you said, got it at damn near plus 500 odds to happen. It's tough because I, I think the amount of games missed does factor in. Am I bugging? Like, Dak missed like six or seven more games than Joe Burrow last year. So I, I just, I think like, I mean, we already talked about it and the odds aren't good enough to bet. So we don't have to re- go over the whole thing again, but I just think that Burrow went from playing worse to playing incredibly at, at an incredibly higher level. Whereas Dak, you know, is arguably playing worse than he was yeah, prior Dak, to his comeback. Dak hasn't been good this year. And that's definitely going to leave a taste in people's mouths. Like, especially if the, if the Bengals make a run and you know, the Cowboys don't, I think that that could absolutely seal it for Burrow, but uh, we'll see how that goes in the coming weeks. Only a couple more stories to talk to as most of the actionable takes are you know, dwindling at this point in the season, but I thought it was interesting how Eli Mitchell returned this week after a long stretch and correspondingly, Jeff Wilson Jr. saw zero touches. Mitchell rushed 21 times for 119 yards, added two receptions. The only carries that he split were with Trey Lance and Debo Samuel. Now, the 49ers are basically in a in-and-win situation. They play the Rams next week. They will secure a playoff spot if they win that game. And just on the subject of, like, playoff basketball right now, the 49ers are extremely cheap, and Mitchell has clear-cut developed a stranglehold on this position. When he's healthy, he's going to be the workhorse. He's very cheap in best ball. I mean, how realistic do you think it is that that the 49ers can win this game against LA next week. And, you know, if, if you think it's possible, Mitchell's probably one of the best picks in playoff best ball. Yeah, it's definitely possible. The 49ers already beat the Rams this season, and the Rams, or specifically Matt Stafford, has been struggling over the last couple of weeks, and the Rams just haven't looked good. So I definitely think the 49ers have a chance, and what's his, what's his ADP? I mean, in the underdog drafts that I was doing, you could get him in the seventh round of a 10-round draft with six teams. Yeah, so, okay, so seventh round I mean, that seems like, like incredible Like he's value. like outside, out, outside the top, like 10 running backs being drafted because people would be taking guys like, you know, Singletary or, or Sony ahead of him just based off the, you know, the potential for more games. Yeah. I mean, I just wish I, I've like looked at it more and, you know, researched it more because I, I think best ball like playoffs, it, it's definitely an interesting like format and strategy because it's like do you draft you know running backs who you know are gonna play in you know deep into the playoffs that might have a buy like Dylan or or Jones or you know maybe Singletary if the Bills can sneak into the one seat or something or, or something like that or do you take a shot on Elijah Mitchell in the seventh round on a team that might not make the playoffs but if they do you know they're gonna lean on him you know that he's probably gonna put up a good enough score to at least get you through round one even if the Niners don't make it mm-hmm. but then there's a good chance that obviously 
they lose in the first round and you won't have them, you know, for the rest of the playoffs. So, yeah, that's 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 really I mean, it's such an interesting theory, honestly, to to think about, because, you know, you could have a player who exits round one, you know, their team gets knocked out in the first round, but you might need their score to advance. Yeah. So that's that's definitely interesting. I think it's okay to take some shots on, you know, some of these players that might be on teams that aren't locked in right now. You know, maybe the Niners guys, because you you can still get Kittle, Elijah Mitchell, Ayuk, Debo, like all of those guys are great, obviously. And then you have like the Chargers guys too. Like I said, I don't really know ADP, so I don't know where they're going. But the Chargers and Raiders are playing for the last wild card spot or one of the wild card spots. You know, win an end game uh, for that matchup. So I don't know. Do you think that targeting some of these teams that might not make it is? is profitable and if they do like the chargers are definitely a team that that can go on a run and make you know the the championship game or something i mean if you're drafting a handful of teams i would definitely be taking those types of shots just because it'll help you be unique you know like i mean in the five dollar tournament it's actually filled on underdog at this point like keenan allen was available in the last round you know people weren't expecting uh the chargers to make it so like that would be a huge edge if you're getting you know a player who you know is already at least a lock to play one game has a high floor has a high ceiling like you could stack up the chargers damn near for free same thing with some of these other teams like the eagles and the 49ers like people were just not drafting these guys because they want to take the safe guaranteed points of the bucks the rams the bills etc so i mean i i do think that there is some merit to targeting these fringe teams and i mean do you have an like any confidence in one of these fringe teams being able to make a run because if so that's probably the biggest edge in playoff best ball this week as the final week of drafting you know we've got the Colts the Chargers the Raiders the Eagles the 49ers as fringe teams that could make it and aren't being drafted as if they will yeah so well for the Eagles specifically they're in so maybe you get okay. a little bit of value on Jalen Hurts. I don't know where he's going. And then, you know, Goddard, Devontae Smith, maybe uh, Eagles running back. Like, I think there could be some value there uh, as they're already in. But it's definitely a high-risk, high-reward strategy in, you know, what type of player you are. I mean, these these contests these contests are so top-heavy that I feel like you have to be drafting with a, at least a decent amount of risk tolerance, right? Yeah. I mean, every year we see, I think, like a wildcard team does win like a game or two in the playoffs and that could definitely be very valuable even if they don't make it to the bowl so I think the strategy is or that you asked about is definitely high risk very high risk and obviously in terms of ranges of outcomes you're more likely to just bust on all of those entries where you go about that strategy but all it takes is one right and playoff best ball I mean I feel like you have to get like just way more luckier than regular season basketball just a a lower amount of games and I think that increases a little bit more variance having a small sample size but I mean the Chargers I think are the team they're not in we we know that they have the coach and Brandon Staley that's going to be aggressive especially in the in the playoffs you know play to win they have the talent on offense at every level quarterback wide receiver running back their defense is obviously suspect but They've hung in there with the best teams in the NFL, the Chiefs, you know, the Cowboys, etc. If if you can stack them up for little to nothing and, and maybe get some pieces of a team that you think is going to the Super Bowl or gonna going to make a run like the Cowboys, Bills, or Chiefs, like that 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 looks very good 
to me at least. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's it's the highest upside uh, on offense as well. 49ers right now are, are another team that I would be targeting just because the player, you know where it's going to go. You know, you can get Kittle, Debo, and Mitchell cheap, and you can have a high level of confidence that most of the offense is going to run through those players who have shown to have a high ceiling all year long. Yeah, I mean, the 49ers definitely make sense. I think that they have a pretty good chance, but there's also a pretty good chance that they lose and they're they're out and the Saints could make the playoffs and, and nobody's gonna take Taysom Hill nobody's drafting Taysom nobody's drafting Camara. yeah like and and that's an example of you know they they probably won't get out of round one but Taysom Hill the elite rushing upside that he could win you the the wild card week right if the Saints make it Camara, same thing elite upside he could win you the wild card week so definitely have to look more into it. I mean, we only got a week left, but it's definitely an interesting conversation for sure. And I wouldn't be surprised if the winner of, of these playoff best ball tournaments had a guy or maybe two. Maybe you don't go like crazy and, and full on make your roster these guys, but maybe like a Camara or a Taysom Hill or, you know, a Darren Waller or one of the Chargers receivers or one of the Niners receivers. Maybe mm-hmm. you take one of those guys, get a little bit lucky, and you win a couple of weeks and you know ultimately make it to the finals. You know, something like that. We will see for sure. Definitely going to be trying to enter some more of these. Hopefully Underdog puts up a second $5 tournament. Also on Drafters, they are currently running an $11 tournament. Could overlay over there. So check that out. And that is going to be it for episode 193 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. We will be back on Thursday with a first look at the final main slate of the regular season. For more NFL DFS content, you can check out our YouTube channel, The DFS Dose, where we post multiple videos per week and live stream on Saturdays. Finally, you can connect with us in our free Discord channel. The link to join that is in the show notes to the podcast. If you're listening out there, pray with me that Austin Hooper scores under 15 points. And know that we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Vibes.